Hornet Heaven. Series 6, Episode 2. The Lost Cowboy. Written by Ollie Wickham, read by Colin Mace. Earth Season, 2017-18. A middle-aged man in an extra-large Dallas Cowboys jersey stood in the half-light on Occupation Road. He was confused. He'd suddenly found himself standing in front of a row of disintegrating garages and decaying fences. He said to himself, Well, this ain't Texas. It took a while for him to recognise where he was. He hadn't set foot on Occupation Road since the summer of 1977, when his parents had taken him to live in America. Soon, though, in the gloom, it dawned on him. Geez, I remember this place. But how the hell did I get here? With his back to the stadium, he gazed through the twilight at the brambles and nettles. The back gardens of these houses were as run down as they had been when his granddad had brought him to matches here as a boy. For a moment he felt himself becoming sentimental. He told himself off. All of that had been years ago. He'd moved on. He'd been a die-hard Dallas Cowboys fan for his entire adult life. Soccer hadn't featured since. This wasn't the time to be remembering the past. Right now he needed to focus on the main question. How had he suddenly found himself here? He saw a boy walking up the slope towards him. He called out. Hey, kid! The nine-year-old was wearing a yellow Adidas Watford shirt. The boy saw him and froze. The man in the Dallas Cowboys jersey approached the boy. Kid, I need you to help me out here. I'm kind of confused. A moment ago I was back home in the States and now somehow I'm in Watford. The boy took two steps backwards. You're another one. Leave me alone. The boy ran in panic to a gate in the wooden fence. What do you mean? I'm another what? Another Cowboys fan? Hey, we ain't so bad. The boy started pulling on the handle, but couldn't open the gate. Go away. Go away. The man couldn't work out why the boy was acting so scared. You ain't a Washington Redskins fan, are you? I know we're rivals, but it's kind of a friendly rivalry. In the half-light, the boy carried on rattling the handle. You don't belong here. At last, the boy managed to open the gate. He ran through and disappeared into the garden beyond the fence. Go away! And never come back to Watford! The man stood on his own in the twilight. He felt offended. Wronged. Sure, he was a Cowboys fan but he'd been born in Watford. He may not have been back for decades or even thought about the place. 
but he had every right to be here. The kid needed setting straight, he decided. He tugged down on his jersey, ready for the argument, and went through the gate. The garden behind the gate was just as shrouded in gloom as Occupation Road. The man looked for the kid, but there was no sign. He made his way to the back door of the house. Through the window he saw the boy slumped over the kitchen table, sobbing. The man found himself affected by the scene. The small kitchen reminded him of his granddad's house, and the boy's tears reminded him of his own reaction in 1977 to the news that he'd be emigrating to America. He'd totally forgotten how upset he'd been to leave Watford. The man couldn't help feeling sorry for the kid. He stood on the step and said, Hey, kid, I'm uh, sorry if I scared you or something just now. Are you okay? The boy looked up through wet eyes. I mean, uh, if you're this upset, you probably got all kinds of problems I don't even know about. The boy nodded. Well, I guess I can lend an ear, if it helps. My name's Malcolm. What's yours? Cole. Malcolm stepped into the kitchen. The gloom from outside was inside the house, too. It was weird. Cautiously, he pulled out a chair and sat down at the table. He said nothing for a while, hoping Cole would open up. But Cole just stared down at the table, occasionally glancing at Malcolm. They sat like this for a long time. Eventually, Cole was ready to talk. He said, I want to tell you my secret now. Malcolm said gently, Okay. The boy seemed terrified. His lips were trembling. He whispered, I see dead people. Malcolm was shocked, but he made sure his face didn't betray his true reaction. He didn't want to upset the boy more. He asked, In your dreams? Cole shook his head. While you're awake? Cole nodded. Dead people? Like in graves and coffins? Walking round like regular people. They don't see each other. They don't know what they are. How often do you see them? All the time. They're everywhere. Malcolm looked carefully at Cole. The boy's problems were more extreme, more abnormal than he could possibly have imagined. You won't tell anyone my secret, right? Malcolm nodded solemnly. He had to help the boy. I promise. Sitting in the strangely murky kitchen, 
Malcolm felt out of his depth. He was no expert, but it seemed to him that Cole's pathology was severe. The child appeared to be suffering from hallucinations and paranoia, probably schizophrenia too. Malcolm tried to find a topic that would normalise the conversation and get Cole back on an even keel for now. He looked out of the window and said, So you live next to a soccer stadium. Is that good? Good and bad. The bad is seeing dead people. Malcolm didn't get how seeing dead people could possibly be connected to living next to a soccer stadium. He tried to keep the boy positive. Tell me about the good. A faint smile fell across Cole's lips as he thought about his answer. The buzz on match days. Suddenly thousands of people arrive. They're full of hope and anticipation. I stand at the gate at the end of the garden. I listen to the noise building. I watch the excited faces. Cole's description started to stir childhood memories for Malcolm. Memories that had long been overwritten by other events and other passions in his life in America. Years ago, he and his granddad had regularly been among those thousands of people arriving with hope and anticipation. Suddenly, he remembered the way his granddad's hand had always tightened around his own as they joined the queue for the turnstile. He remembered the clank of the turnstile getting louder and louder until it was his turn to go through. Thinking back, he could almost smell the aromas of a 1970s English football crowd. Tobacco. Beer. Old Spice aftershave. He began to develop a sense that something had been missing in his life for a very long time. But he still felt a disconnect. His rekindled memories of visiting Vicarage Road were sunlit completely unlike the weather today. He said, Say, do you get weather like this a lot in Watford? It's so grey. I can hardly see you in here without the lights on. Cole glanced up at the lights in the kitchen ceiling. They were at full brightness. The boy said, The dead people always complain about that. Malcolm cursed silently to himself. He thought he'd distracted the boy from thinking about ghosts. He tried to think up a new topic of conversation. So, would you like me to tell you about the Dallas Cowboys? They're a hell of a team. Cole looked at him with a half smile. American football? You've got to be kidding. Malcolm felt slightly offended again but he was pleased to see Cole was brightening up. My dad calls it egg-throwing. <laughs> Malcolm thought it best not to argue. He decided to humour the boy. Yep, two armies of 250-pound men in helmets and body armour fighting over a big egg. Cole grinned at Malcolm, almost as if they were becoming friends. He said, do you want to see my Watford stuff? Malcolm wanted to keep the boy focusing on happy things. He said, That's a great idea. What have you got? Cole got up from the table and told Malcolm to follow him.
Cole led Malcolm up the stairs of the terraced house. The boy stopped on the half landing. There was a window looking out over the stadium. Cole looked out and said, The best time is when the floodlights are on. Malcolm looked out of the window. He could hardly see the stadium through the gloom. But Cole's words stirred a visual memory. White light pouring from a pitch-black sky, wet grass shimmering, bright yellow shirts. He had a flashback of a match from years ago. It must have been 1973 or so. Watford were playing. Who was it? A team called Scunthorpe? There was a gangly blonde guy playing up front. He never looked any good. But that night, out of nowhere, he scored two goals. What was his name? Ross something. That was it. Ross Jenkins. Wofford had won 5-1. Grandad had been thrilled. The team had turned a corner, Grandad had said. Of course they hadn't. And the thrill had turned out to be momentary. Today, for the first time in forty years, Malcolm was savouring again the excitement of a night under the lights. His flow of memories were interrupted when Cole said, Oh, no. The boy closed his eyes and bowed his head. She's still there. Malcolm looked down into the garden and onto Occupation Road. Who? I don't see anyone. That's the way it works. You can't see her. I can. You mean... There's a dead person out there, by the stadium. I don't think she'll ever go away. I've tried to help her. Where is she? I think she's stuck between worlds. She hasn't found her true self. Malcolm wanted to move the conversation away from the boy's hallucinations, but he couldn't resist asking, What worlds do you mean? There's a world that exists for dead people, I think. Dead. Watford people. Malcolm didn't know what to make of this. It was the craziest idea he'd ever heard. He set off up the rest of the stairs and said, Come on, show me these Watford things of yours. Carl's bedroom was like a shrine to Watford Football Club. The cathedral-like gloom in the room only added to the feeling of sanctity. On the near wall were photographs of modern-day players in yellow shirts. Malcolm had no idea who they were. On another wall were hung various old replica shirts. Malcolm noticed that the designs varied much more than American football jerseys' designs did. Some of them were awful. One shirt seemed to have red and black tractor tyre marks across the chest, Another had black horizontal lines like a television on the blink. But one of them he recognised. It was yellow, with two vertical black stripes down the left front and a cartoon hornet in football boots on the right breast. All of a sudden names and faces came flooding back to Malcolm. 
Can Goodheave, Brian Greenhalgh. Jeez, they were awful. A phrase floated into his mind. Bonzer out. Bonzer out. The phrase seemed to stir something deep within him. He said it again, louder. Bonzer out. Bonzer out. He was starting to feel this. He said, It's all coming back, Cole. I remember us being relegated. 1975 or something. It hurt so bad, but only because I cared so much. Did you stop caring? Not deliberately. Life took me someplace else. Dallas, Texas. Malcolm gazed around the room. On another wall, there was a series of photos that seemed to span about twenty-five years. The same man was in all of them. He had dark hair. It looked like he was the team manager. Above the photos was a paper printout with the words, Hashtag, thank you, GT. Malcolm asked, did I miss much while I was away? Malcolm went back to the first wall and looked at one of the player photos. He struggled with the name. Rich R. Leeson? Is he any better than Brian Greenhalge was? When I emigrated, we were only heading in one direction and it wasn't up. What division are we in now? He didn't pause to get an answer. The deluge of recollections was too distracting. It would be amazing if we were still in the league or maybe up in Division 3. As a kid, I had dreams of Watford getting promoted. I had dreams we'd play in Europe. But that's all they were ever going to be. Dreams. A few moments passed. Malcolm was feeling a little overwhelmed by the emotion of everything he was remembering. Cole asked, And what happened to your granddad? Did he go to America with you? He died in June 1977, two weeks before we emigrated. That hurt much more than getting relegated had. I loved granddad. Those times we had together at the soccer were... So special? Malcolm took a few moments to gather himself. I don't know. In Dallas, I threw myself into supporting the Cowboys. But maybe the real reason I took no interest in soccer after that was because it would have reminded me of the times with Granddad that I'd never get back. Malcolm paused and looked around the walls again. He couldn't feel upset for too long in a room like this. It was totally inspiring. But now, I am interested again. It's as if my love for Watford Football Club never actually left me. I feel like I'm rediscovering what I always was. What I truly am. Malcolm sat down on Cole's bed. He said, Kit, 
I'd like it very much if you could tell me everything I've missed since 1977. In the bright bedroom, Cole sat down on the floor opposite the man in the Dallas Cowboys jersey. He was excited at the prospect of telling the man all about the club's recent history. He told it to several of the others he'd met on Occupation Road. It always worked. It made them go away. But this time, with Malcolm, he didn't get the chance. Before he could say anything, Malcolm started fading. The man had already recognised, deep down, what he was. He'd found himself. Cole watched as Malcolm slowly vanished. The boy smiled. He'd liked Malcolm and would have happily spent more time with him. But he always preferred it when he couldn't see dead people. Malcolm was looking up at one of the photos of the manager with the dark hair. The manager was holding up a trophy with yellow and red ribbons. It looked like Wembley Stadium in the background, but in the gloom of the room, Malcolm guessed he must be mistaken. Watford? Winning at Wembley? Surely that was too amazing to be true. He turned back to Cole impatient to hear the story of the last few decades. But the boy wasn't there. Call? Malcolm got up off the bed and left the bedroom. Call? Where did you go? Malcolm went down the stairs. He stopped to look out of the window on the half landing. He couldn't see Cole. But he noticed that at the top of Occupation Road, Beyond the twilight, there was some kind of golden glow. He went down into the kitchen. Cole? Cole? You were going to tell me the story of the last forty years. I want to hear it. Confused, he went back out into the garden. There was still no sign of the boy. He didn't know what to do. He guessed he didn't actually need to worry about Cole. The boy had been in his own house. He wouldn't be in danger. Malcolm shrugged and went through the gate back onto Occupation Road. Back on the tarmac, Malcolm peered up the slope through the murk. Now he could see what had been creating the glow he'd just observed from the window. There was a huge golden building at the junction with Vicarage Road. He didn't remember that being there when he left in the summer of 1977. He made his way towards it, intrigued. As he walked, he noticed the gloom beginning to clear. Now he could see more clearly. The stadium had slick black walls with bright yellow panels over the turnstiles. It was very different from the rough brick wall he remembered from when he was last here. He couldn't wait to find out everything that had happened in the intervening years. All the excitement he'd felt on a match day, as a kid, was flooding back. He broke into a run. Soon he was in bright sunshine. 
he found himself in a crowd of people milling about. Many of them were in modern replica shirts, but some of the men, he noticed, were wearing 1930s suits. There was even a woman in a long Victorian dress. Malcolm looked around in amazement as he ran. No matter what they were wearing, everyone seemed comfortable mixing in this environment. And so did he. Despite his Dallas Cowboys jersey, he was already feeling a profound connection with the people here. A sense of community. He kept going and arrived at the junction with Vicarage Road. He slowed to a stop in front of the huge golden building he'd seen from down the slope. It was where he remembered the Red Lion pub had been when he was young. He gazed up at its futuristic glass and steel curves. Then he noticed there was a sign above the entrance. It was a sign that explained everything. It said, Hornet, Heaven. It explained where he was. It explained who he was. Malcolm felt a sudden wave of happiness pass through his body. It was the kind someone might get from a homecoming when they hadn't been home for 40 years. He smiled. And then, as he saw a man in a 1970s suit coming out of the golden building, his eyes filled with tears. Granddad? The End The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be Series 6, Episode 3. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wickham. <laughs>